If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Monica Gandhi, welcome back. <laughs> Jerry, nice to see you as always. You are radiant today. Can I say that? I got my hair done. It's great. <laughs> so how many masks did you have to wear in San Francisco to get your hair done? So it turns out that we're in the phase of the pandemic that no mass mandates should never come back. Ah. And I am saying that as my first show that I had with you was talking about masks. Right. And Democracy Now! once called me mask queen. Ooh. So it feels hopeful two years later to say that I do not believe mass mandates should ever come back. And that was really based on all this data that many you know, people, all you have to do is just graph data, places yeah. that had mass mandates and places that didn't. Ah. Since um, May of 2021, like many states had no mass mandates, many states did, and there's zero difference in the curves. Mm. So I do think that there are many people who want to still mask and they, they should feel very free to mask. And I would kind of go for those stronger those double masks, right. how many masks, um, or or something like KN95. an N95, KN95, FFP2, or a KF94. Those all work in studies to help uh, physical mannequins, at least. There's less more blockage. But I don't think the the even our even the Bay Area can impose mass mandates again. And again, some of it is because we don't have great evidence that there were huge differences, yeah. at least in the public, right? Yes, like public versus individual level. Benefit. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. The individual level, though, you could always again you can mask up if you're if you feel you're high risk or right. you're just concerned. Definitely. I mean, my father during the Omicron surge had just had chemo and is 87 and we absolutely had him wear a good mask inside because he loves to go to Costco. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah. I probably see your pops at Costco. Yes. yes. So we, he was vulnerable. And yeah. so we were like, let's wear these specific type of masks. But putting it on the whole population, yeah. I think I can't see that being um, justified. Yeah, and and so this is interesting because you know we were talking about masks early on before there was a vaccine, before there were therapeutics, when we were trying to you know quote unquote bend the curve, yeah. and it seemed to be something that we could do that would at least give people a sense of empowerment where yes. they could do that. Yes, it and, may have been like a signal to keep away from each other. It right. may have been a signal to do more social distancing. There was a very important study in Canada that showed the lockdowns made no difference. But what it was is that it was sort of voluntary behavior mm. in the sense that, and this is probably true of Sweden as well, like if you are being told that there's this scary new virus, people were modifying their behavior anyway. That's right. And kind of staying away from people. And whether you had to impose that on the public or not, 
whether people just did it anyway. What an, what, and what an interesting thing, because the mask as a signal, yeah. as a reminder, hey, we're in a pandemic, yes. keep your distance. Yes. And, and I think that works. I, I think, think there's something there. Yeah. Now there's another thing you've mentioned before about the humidification, the local humidification from wearing a mask, yes. maybe lowering transmission. Is Can you speak to that at all? Yes, yeah, so our hypothesis, and we put a, uh, we have a, uh, paper in the New England Journal called Face, face Masks um, Before We Get to a Vaccine, essential, ah, yeah. essentially. And that was my theory. I, like, I really do still believe it was important until we got to a vaccine. Right. And the idea was that just observationally, it seemed that places that masked had less severe disease from COVID-19 than places that didn't mask because there were places that immediately took up the masks, like right. Japan, places that had gone through SARS. So right, Japan, South Korea. South Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan very ready uptake of masks and seem to be less severe disease, more asymptomatic infection. Right. If you call that infection, asymptomatic in the nose, right. testing positive. So then there was an NIH study that showed that even wearing a cloth mask, which is probably the least effective for transmission benefit, um, humidified the air behind the the in the mouth essentially mm -hmm. humidified the air and the and the virus can slip down in the lungs as well. It was an experimental mm -hmm. study from the NIH. Mm -hmm. So that I think is the mo that's the thing that I can think of as most likely how masks helped before. Right. And then if you really want to block all viruses, we can never pretend that a cloth mask is blocking a t you know teeny tiny little virus with all its gaps and big holes. Right. So if you want to get very fitted with an N95 mask, that's what we. We've always used in hospitals to prevent aerosol um, transmission. So there are many people right now who are wearing strong fitted N95s, and they should. I mean, if they'd like to. Um, but again, that's that population level. And then I'm, I'm no longer caring about the benefit of less severe disease because we have immunity. That's right. that's the way to get less severe disease. That's the internal profound way to get less severe disease. Right, so there's a few takeaways that I see from what you're saying. One is that this has gone from a community issue where you're talking about mandates and things like that, that yes. they're even conceivable, yes. to where that's inconceivable because now it's individually in people's control. So yes. in other words, you could take a mandate away on a bus, yes. but you can wear a well-fitted N95 because yes. you individually are concerned. And yes. we do that in the hospital. Yes. Patients not wearing a mask, we're wearing the mask. It's one-way masking, it protects you. Right. There are some people who do not worry about getting mild infections and right. some people who I think just because of the trauma and the anxiety That's right. of what the messaging was for the last two years are very concerned about getting a mild uh, respiratory infection. Right. So let's, it's kind of under your control to eat your own. And, and what about the fear factor around long COVID? Everybody's talking about long COVID. We don't know what it is. What, what you know? What, we don't even know the prevalence of it. We, you know, how how do you think about that when people are saying, "Well, I don't even want to get an asymptomatic infection because what if I be I'm one of those however many percentage that get this." long COVID. Yes, I mean, I think it's such a constellation of symptoms, we haven't even truly defined it, but I think it's quite clear to me that there would be two reasons pathophysiologically why you could have persistent symptoms. One is the virus goes multiple places, and that did happen in severe disease early on, mm -hmm. went to multiple organs, multiple places. Second is that your innate immune response isn't very um, organized, the first innate immune response, and the adapt, and, and that's what we did used to fight COVID at the beginning. It's mm. why we use steroids to mm. calm that awful disorganized immune response down in the hospital. We gave dexamethasone, we give dexamethasone for severe COVID. But after immunity, whether you have natural immunity or the vaccine, you have an adaptive immune response and you're bringing that virus down very quickly in your nose, which is why I really do think it's fair to have five-day isolation for um, for after you have COVID. I'm positive that people who've had immunity bring their... Um, 
there's a lot to date on this actually, but bring the viral load down more quickly. Mm-hmm. So you're, the virus isn't going everywhere. And it also isn't, it's not your innate immune response involved, it's your organized adaptive immune response. So you're not going to get long lasting inflammation or feel unwell after. And study after study has shown now that people who are vaccinated or immune don't seem to get long COVID with a breakthrough infection if you compare them against people who've never had COVID. You need those good controlled studies. Yeah, which is tough to come by, but yeah, that's exactly right. And it's tougher to come by because so many people have had COVID now. That's right. That's right, and speaking of that, so we're talking about seroprevalence, how many people have had COVID. CDC's data suggests that most of us uh, have had COVID. COVID Especially children. Especially children, 75% at least, right? Yes, yes, seroprevalence study was April 26th. I thought it was an incredibly important study. People are like, how do they know if it's COVID or not? Well, it's because it was nucleocapsid antibodies. Explain how they measure that. Yeah, so so we will, of course, if you get vaccinated, you're going to have antibodies against the piece of the vaccine um, that you see, spike protein. Mm -hmm. So anti-spike antibodies, everyone's going to have. We better make sure it's not Um, your kids. Let's just make sure it is. (laughs) children. Okay. Sorry. Hey, you're nearly there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm doing a podcast. I'm going to call you in about an hour. Just you guys have a good time. And then I'll come and pick you up in the mission. So I'll call you as as I'm leaving. Okay. Love you. Bye. Can I ask a question? (laughs) Do do I have to edit that out or can we leave it? (laughs) They're so adorable. Your kids, I have to say, they've been here before. They are the most well-behaved, just a couple of gentlemen. They, You know what they did today? Because I was doing this with you. Yeah. They walked from my house to the mission to go to a bookstore because they read and read and read. Can I tell you two compliments? (laughs) One is that they read and read and read. That's your, that's your imprinting on them. But the second is that you let them walk to the mission. And this is, this is this free range parenting where we don't overprotect them. We don't over helicopter them. We know that actually things are safer than they've been historically. Yes. In fact, helicopter parenting has, I think, done a lot of harm. It's done a tremendous amount of harm. And so, so back, so we were talking about nucleocapsid. Yeah. So if you get the vaccine, you get an anti-spike antibody. That's what I have because I have never actually happened to have had COVID. It's inevitable. I will get it, but I haven't had it yet. Right. And then nucleocapsid antibody is against another part of the virus that wasn't coded by the vaccine. So you know that you've had COVID if you have a nucleocapsid antibody. So that big study that the CDC released on April 26 showed 60% of us in the United States as adults have had COVID, have mm-hmm. seen COVID. And by the way, that's just antibody. Maybe our T cells show that we had COVID like in March 2020 and the antibodies have come down now. Ah, so so even those, be higher. Those nucleocapsid antibodies fade over time, like all the uh, neutralizing so antibodies. So normal yeah. of mm-hmm. antibodies to fade. And mm-hmm. then zero to 17 year olds in our country, 75% of children have seen the virus. Um, and so that really gives you security that, you know, they have immunity against the virus um, if yeah. you want to give them one dose after that. And so that tells us something. And you said, you said this is part of what you were saying. All of us are going to eventually see this virus. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised I haven't, but I haven't yet. Yeah, but I'm waiting. And you know, I haven't been tested for nucleocapsid, but yeah. I, I haven't had documented COVID. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm vaccinated and boosted. Yeah. And uh, I just, I probably, I don't know if I've seen it or not. I, I don't know either. Yeah. We may have both been. We haven't tested for nucleocapsid antibodies, and we don't actually get in the paper if we have a mild infection. That's right. <laughs> after, That's right. After being vaccinated and boosted, but there's still papers that are talking about mild infections. And, and the 
reason, that can worry people. That can worry people. And the reason we care about this is again, you know, you, people are worried about long COVID. They're worried about COVID the first. If you've either been vaccinated or you've lived in the US, the yeah. statistical likelihood is that you're gonna be okay. Oh, you're not gonna get severe COVID. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so important because two things. The the media has made it seem like I think sometimes that like there are much immunocompromised in our population. That's right. Like that millions and millions of people are immunocompromised. One thing I think that's such a disservice to these vaccines because the mRNA vaccines have shown repeatedly that even if you're very immunocompromised, you get an excellent response. It could be because you have such a high level of um, spike protein that you produce from the mRNA vaccines. Maybe they're better than others. Right. But so the only groups that are truly don't respond to the vaccines are people who've recently had a solid organ transplant mm -hmm. or being on B-cell depleting therapy. This is a clinical infectious disease paper. Mm -hmm. And now we have Evusheld, which is a monoclonal antibody that you can get for six months to protect you. So my father, for example, was um, going through chemo, 87 years old, lymphoma. Right. I wasn't worried about him at all. He'd had three shots yeah. and someone checked his antibodies and they were sky high. Yeah. And then there was just a paper yesterday that going through chemo solid organ um, um, uh, um, tumors, no issue with the vaccines. They work really well. So I, we shouldn't worry people too much. There is this tendency to make people so scared. You're really protected. You know, from the beginning, a theme with you and I in our conversations have been, we've terrified our population yeah. and the ones who actually should be concerned. In other words, an elderly person with chronic disease who has not been vaccinated, not been vaccinated. are so are reacting to all this fear in a way where they're entrenching and they're finding people to that agree with their feeling that it can't be that big of a catastrophe and I have a sense of control and they're not going and getting vaccinated. And they're the ones who are getting sick and dying. Exactly. So especially during Delta and Omicron, yes. it was older unvaccinated people who died. And yeah. that was a tragedy. I think now they have a lot of immunity and I'm you, you will see the curves right now. People are being Diverge. hospitalized are kind of the same if you're vaccinated or you've had natural infection. So we have to also admit that, yeah. we have to admit that immunity works, yeah, you know, even yeah. if, if you've had the And we have virus. to remember that like these numbers are tricky now because we have a lot, we have, we have a population of people that have some preexisting thing. Yes. They end up getting an upper respiratory infection, Omicron, yes. that they're mostly immune to in terms of severe disease. Yes, But definitely. often even a smiled infection is enough to push certain people into some dysfunctional equilibrium, lack of equilibrium that ends up in the hospital. And it's that is a with people, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Right. Well, that's the important thing is, is if you were an infectious disease doctor before this, you realize that adenovirus, corona, mild coronaviruses, noroviruses, if you have multiple medical problems and are older- That can kill you. They can kill you. Yeah. Which is why like an, a, a mild rhinovirus infection in a very debilitated nursing home setting can be a problem. AKA a, a, a cold. Yes, a so cold. So a cold can kill an older, frail person. Yes. And so we have to come to grips with the fact that this has happened since time immemorial. Yes. And that doesn't mean you don't wear an N95 in a nursing home if you're visiting and you've not been vaccinated or you have a, you know, whatever it is. Right. We take precautions. Right. For this during this pandemic, but we have to get back to a, a, a living with this thing since it's pretty clear we can't eradicate it. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing that you say. Pretty clear we can't eradicate it because I actually find it very interesting that um, people thought we could in a way, and like some even experts thought we could eradicate it. People who are in the news, because I remember the day I knew we couldn't eradicate it, which was April 2020 with the big cats. Mm. Remember there was a zoo? Yeah. I don't even remember the zoo. I like, remember and tigers this. had COVID. Yeah. And I remember that day my whole heart sinking. I thought, oh, 
okay, we'll always live with coronavirus yeah. because living animal reservoirs by definition mean that you'll never get rid of a virus. Smallpox, yeah. never had an animal it could That's live in. That's right. And polio, 29 polio species- Polio too, right? Does, does that yes, happen? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And so 20, we will, I think someday Eradicate we will. polio, yeah. 29 species of animals carry COVID. Um, remember those mink? Remember those, I was oh, yeah, really, I can't right. even think about it. Remember they killed know, 17 million yeah. mink in Denmark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't kill 29 species of animals. So right. we'll always live with COVID. The best part about it is we have the tools to live with it, even for those who are immunocompromised and vulnerable. Right. For example, we don't have a EVU-shelled monoclonal antibody to give a solid organ transplant recipient to prevent them from getting rhinovirus. Yeah. But we have that for COVID because we spent so much money and we have so many tools for COVID. We have monoclonal right. antibodies, we have treatments, we have so much more for COVID than we have for flu or RSV or human metanumavirus. Yeah. People should feel pretty good that they can live with this virus. For COVID, for sure. Yeah. Although Marty uh, McCary would call that our um, our COVID myopia. That it was very myopic. Focused I mean, right yeah. on COVID and we forgot all the other stuff. Like for example, what's health, on, yeah. what is going on with the hepatitis outbreak in children do you know much about this? I have been following it very closely yeah. only because as an infectious disease doctor, I want to see if there's another virus we don't know about. Right. One thing I can say for sure, it's not COVID because mm. actually at least people are now saying they don't trust the CDC investigation as well because our Unfortunately, our public health trust yeah, has dropped in the CDC, it. I believe, is now 31% by a Pew Ooh. poll in May 2021. It's the lowest it's ever been. Yeah. So we're many people are actually looking to the UK um, mm -hmm. um, where they're doing a very thorough investigation. Mm -hmm. So there, you can say it doesn't look like it's COVID. I mean, by the way, COVID's been here for two years and we haven't seen this. So um, and 75% of children have had COVID so right. in our country. So it's not COVID. Right. I don't think it's the COVID vaccine because right. it started before we got the COVID vaccine to five to 11 year olds, which right. is um, and, November 4th. Here. And quite a few of these kids are younger than five too. And yeah, not so it's not the vaccine, yeah. it's not COVID. Right. Okay, so then there's this possibility of adenovirus 41 being linked to it. At least a lot of the children have adenovirus 41. Right. Not totally clear, but one, one thing I'm worrying about is keeping children away from from pathogens for two years. Yeah. Um, and I, the reason I worry about that more is I was part of something called the NIH Microbiome Project. Mm. And I was at the NIH, I remember this very well, four years ago, and we were talking about the hygiene hypothesis, right. which is that if you keep things too clean, you don't see any pathogens. There are three conditions that rise in countries that, that keep, try to keep populations away from pathogens, especially when they're young. Autoimmune diseases, cancer, and allergies. Mm. You need, uh, that's why Frodo was so dirty, remember? Your dog. Our, remember oh. how he, like you could smell him across the table? It remember he was he's pretty smelly? Yeah, he had a, he's yeah. adorable, but he's like dirty and he slobbered and he smelled horrible. He was a fomite. I kept him dirty yes. on purpose because I have children yeah. and I wanted them to be around dirt. So yeah. like he was my, he was the best dog. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there is this true, you know, if you look up the NIH microbiome project is now ended, uh, there was this idea that you need your microbiome diverse. You need a lot to see a lot of pathogens. So I'm worried. One thing I am worried is if we kept path children away from pathogens so completely for the last two years, are we seeing some pathogens come in that didn't used to cause severe disease, but they don't have the immune diversity to fight it? Yeah. That's my biggest fear about hepatitis. And then, and, you know, that was my concern when I saw this is like, man, we've really kind of sheltered these kids. And that gets to kids masking, you know? I, I got to ask you point blank. You're the yeah. mask queen. Should we be masking children? And, no, yeah. you know, I mean, let's just look really cleanly at like what other countries did, right? Mm -hmm. So the WHO never said mask under five. Right now, right. New York City is masking little toddlers. <laughs> yeah, um, poor toddlers. They look so <laughs> I know. they're so adorable, and I want to see them. And then the second is. Um, 
is is even uh, Scandinavian countries and many countries said not even less than 12. Right. And I think there were two reasons. One is that it's hard to wear a mask properly if you're um, a little- fidgety kid, yeah. And fidgety kid. And then also it, it, now I think we've learned a lot about masks and the ones that really want to block are N95s or KN95s. Why right. would you put a KN95 on a small child? They're quite very uncomfortable. It. Yeah, they're uncomfortable. And then you have to, to fit it properly. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, I think it was all part of the precautionary principle. I actually really wanted schools open so badly in in- September of 2021 in this state that I knew there was still so much anxiety because anxiety was still very much in our state, right. more a part of public health messaging than the UK and that, Europe. That's UK right. and Europe, they were kind of like, here's an infection. Immunity is the way to get through it. Oh, we have vaccines. This is great. Life's going to go back to normal. And they've pretty much gone back to normal. Yeah. Like UK and Europe, they're not doing any yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. But that was their messaging. In the United States, we had some states messaging, it's very fearful. And some states like, get the vaccine and you're done. Yeah. And so because California, we know this, we were more in an anxious place. There was right. more fear, fear not facts messaging. Right. There was a lot of anxiety about school openings, even though it had been, you know, longest, where our state was the public closed schools were closed yeah. the longest, 50 out of 50. Like a year from my So kids. people yeah. wanted their children masked and I just wanted schools open. So right. yeah, masking, that was fine. Yeah. I didn't mind it like that they imposed masks. I didn't yeah. push back. Yeah. And then when we got the child vaccine, I thought, you know, some parents are very fearful for their children. Now we have the child vaccine. So then I started messaging, you know, give it a couple months till we get the child vaccine, maybe two months. And then you got to take masks off children. Right. And I even had a conversation with the California DPH. I said, what's your endpoint? Yeah. And um, they said, we don't have an endpoint. There was actually a conversation. I had. It was, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, I, I, I ate a lot of Kit Kats and Diet Coke is what I do when I'm really stressed. And yeah. I couldn't sleep that night because they told me they didn't have an endpoint. Yeah. Luckily, an endpoint was eventually come up, came up with, right. which was was February 24th, the CDC really, I think, got much more reasonable about like masking guidance, which is why did we do non-pharmaceutical interventions to begin with? Keep our hospital capacity um, you know, yeah. open. So why did we do capacity limits, masking, distancing, ventilation? The idea was that our, that our hospital shouldn't get overwhelmed. Right. So what they were, um, the CDC guidance used to make it on case rates in a community or um, your testing rates. And right. that never made sense because we would test more in right. highly vaccinated regions. That's and right. I called it a twilight zone that um, in highly vaccinated, did everything right regions, we were masking more yeah. by their guidance. Yeah. So they changed it on February 24th, 2022. And they said, let's link any NPIs to, um, to hospitalization rates for COVID. Mm. Um, and then you have to ensure that that person is in the hospital for COVID because we do swab everyone's nose yeah. and that can make the hospitals the, look like they have more so COVID. With COVID. It's happening of, every yeah. time it's, there's We're a seeing it everywhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It and, looks more than And also I think I, there's a low threshold to send people to the hospital if they test positive and they have other chronic conditions. Yes, yeah, but that, that may not be why they're there. They're right, there for right. diabetes or heart that's attack. Right. And that's really important too, because if you look at the death rate from COVID, let's like forget about hospitalizations now. Let's just go straight to the heart of the matter. Right. Why did we hate COVID? Right. We hated COVID because it killed people. Right. So let's look at the death rate worldwide. We are at the lowest rate of COVID deaths worldwide than we have ever been since the beginning of the pandemic. And we are in the lowest rate of deaths from COVID in this country than we've ever been since the beginning of the pandemic. BA2 um, 12.1 aside, rising cases, our death rate is the lowest it's ever been. That's More right. of a clean metric. And um, that's because we have 60% immunity in our population plus a high vaccination rate. High vaccination rate, right, which is which is absolutely key. Yes. And it took us a long time to get to that point. 
And there's been a lot of ebb and flow along the way. Like yes. I think Delta surprised a lot of us. Yes. Omicron, I don't think surprised too many people because again, that, that developed a lot of immunity from that. And now we're in a situation where there really is a lot of collective a immunity. A lot of collective immunity. And Delta, because I this has been something that um, you and I have been criticized um, as if we don't know immunity, but I think I can tell that you've had, you had really good lectures in medical school about immunology. <laughs> from people like you, yeah. Delta, <laughs> Delta really showed us that highly vaccinated regions regions like California had low severe disease rates. Mm -hmm. We didn't have enough natural immunity in the population by Delta. That was uh, um, July, 2021. And places with lower vaccination rates had higher hospitalizations and deaths. Mm -hmm. Totally makes sense. You, mm -hmm. you got your immunity through the vaccines. Right. And then Omicron infused natural immunity to a great degree on the US population. Right. Now someone, I saw some article in the news saying, well, but Omic if, you, if Omicron was your sole source of immunity, it's not as effective as the vaccine in combating other variants. Have you seen this data? I actually really looked into this yeah. and I have settled on an idea. And and I mean, I wrote a, um, a, a paper for clinical infectious diseases. It, it was published on March 2nd mm. and I really wrote it, even though I'm the only author, I really wrote it with the clinical infectious diseases editors. They really gave me a lot of ideas and help. Mm -hmm. And we settled on hybrid immunity. Hybrid immunity. Um, and maybe there'll be a time where you'll get enough um, exposures that you're as protected. But at least in this phase of the pandemic, it seems like being either vaccinated and having an infection or vice versa, being infected and getting one dose mm -hmm. protected you against Omicron, including BA12 2.1, mm. um, then, then either being vaccinated and boosted, even three doses, right, or having natural immunity alone. And right. I'm basing that on two things. One is we looked at, and, and we really, this is a very, this is a paper that took me a month to write. So I really thought about it a lot. So on epidemiology and immunology, immunologically, it makes sense that if I only see the spike protein, even yeah. if I see it three, four times with four vaccines. It's not as broad a I immunity. didn't get to develop immunity against the whole virus, the right. nucleocapsid, of the cell membrane, other places, because I haven't seen the virus. So there isn't, that totally makes sense immunologically that you kind of have to see both. Right. But then epidemiologically, again and again, there's just a paper from this morning from Yale, having two doses and then an infection was more protective than three doses. Mm. And the reason that's important is right now in California, we're seeing wastewater. I've been watching the wastewater. Omicron. And in places that are more boosted, it looks like we have higher cases. And then people will say, that means the vaccines don't work. I don't think that means the vaccines don't work. I think you got a booster because you didn't have natural immunity. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into this a bit because this is important. In San Francisco now, we, we in the Bay Area, we have one of the highest case rates now in all of California. Yeah, we're also the mo one of the most vaccinated areas. Yes. So what you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, is that because we relied on pure vaccination uh, and a lot of social stuff, like we had less natural immunity, less natural sure. immunity. Yeah. So we distanced more. We were paranoid. A lot other, of masking. A lot of masking. Our all, schools were closed. Schools were closed. All that. We didn't see a lot of natural infection. Omicron yes. was a great equalizer, but even here, not that first wave may not have been as ubiquitous yes. as in other parts. Yes. So in other parts of the uh, country- Like we still had mass mandates um, until during just, our Omicron. That's right. ended like a month ago, yeah. And I'll be honest, mass mandates end, people still wear masks everywhere. Yes, yes, so, yes. You'll see like uh, funnily more in 
Whole Foods. But yeah, like, it's always it's Whole Foods. It's always Whole Foods, 70% where, masking. Because I'm bougie like that, that's yeah. where I shop. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always the only guy there not wearing a mask. You trust your immunity. I and do. I actually think trusting your immune system is an okay way to go. It's okay. Yeah. And so what we're seeing now is we're, we'll see cases, we'll see wastewater, but because the hybrid immunity of natural infection plus vaccine yes. is probably best. Yes. But hey, I'll take immunity however we can get it. Yes, yes, so yes. So the bottom line is we don't, we're still not panicking here. We're not jumping up and down. Oh my God, the cases. Our hospitalizations are very low. Very low. I work in a hospital. Right. Three people in the hospital with COVID right now. So, and two of them were from that swabbing, you know, and they're just positive. So I think that's so important because people who focus just on cases are going to do two things. They're going to panic people Mm -hmm. and they're going to almost imply the vaccines don't work. Yeah, that's that's what I, that's what Paul Offit hates about this, right? He's like, we're talking about four Boosters. Now we're talking about the fourth shot. Yeah. And they keep talking about breakthrough infections and all of this. And the idea is no, the vaccine is not designed to prevent you from getting a mild infection, right? right? It's designed to keep you from dying. There was this one line I wrote, and I get like a lot of polite likes on Twitter, and then some people are mad and stuff. But there was this one line I wrote that I never got more likes. And I said, I think the CDC messaging is making the vaccinated terrified and making the unvaccinated think the vaccines don't work. And when I wrote that, I got so many likes. It's so funny. (laughs) That was our message. If I could like something in real time, (laughs) I would like it right now because the minute it came out of your mouth, I was like, yeah. Yeah, we made the unvaccinated think the vaccines don't work. And by doing that, we cut down on vaccine uptake in this country. By putting back masks and... Remember that putting back masks uh-huh, on vaccinated people uh-huh. in uh, the Delta? Yep. Just because you have a breakthrough doesn't mean yeah. that the vaccines don't work. Yeah. They work so well. And and how good are those cloth masks against Omicron? Yeah, yeah. right. And then that was the <laughs> right. other thing is that in a way, even if people wear good masks or right. wear masks in, in San Francisco more than ever, um, they definitely saw, we saw a lot of Omicron. So yeah. we did get more natural immunity. That's right. That's why our hospitalizations are my, so my, my, my kid's school where, uh, middle school, where everybody's still wearing masks, oh. despite the lack of the mandate. Oh, because it's a social we, pressure. We thing. scared people. We so scared much. people. Yeah, we scared I mean, their parents. Pressure, we scared the pressure, kids. Yeah. All of them are terrified. I get notifications all day about positive Omicrons. Yeah. They're all still getting Omicron. Yeah, of course. And, and I don't think mouth. it's even happening at school. I think no. they're getting it elsewhere. Yeah. But 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 um, to me, it's like okay. I think we've reached this point now where we can start talking. You you may say, oh, there's a technical de- definition of endemic and so on, but we really have to deal with it as if we're reaching endemicity. Don't yes. you think? Yes, I do. Yes, I mean, what does the word endemic mean? It means okay. So if we can start from the premise that we cannot eradicate this, yeah. there's no other way. I mean. Please, anyone who still thinks that, please do not kill 29 species of animals and all their offspring. And like, you, you're never going to And we're going to do that just through natural human activity. We're yeah. going to extinct most of the species, but we're but not doing let, it intentionally. Let's not do it for COVID. Let's <laughs> yeah, do it right. from climate let's, change. Let's yeah. do it for just driving our cars, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Poor animals. So, so, so then going back to, if okay, we have to start with the premise we can't eradicate it. So then when does it get to be endemic? Every country decides differently, it mm-hmm. looks like. For example, UK dropped all their restrictions two months ago. And they went through BA2-12-1, just like we're going through now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely had increased cases like we are having now, right now in the Bay Area and, and Northeast and actually around the whole country. But they never, they wouldn't, they they absolutely held firm that they weren't going to um, do mass mandates. Um, they, they don't even make you stay home for 10 days. In fact, they say if you're sick, stay home. If you don't feel well, stay home. But otherwise, you don't even have to test. Yeah. If you just like with flu and rhinovirus, we didn't used to test. Right. You just stayed home if you were sick. Right. They, they've, endemic management is 
their life is completely normal in the UK. Yeah. So they decided that two months ago because the reason they decided that, and there were fights on it. Like there were some people saying, no, let's um, put back mass mandates. Let's um, ensure that people stay home for a 10 full days after they get COVID. But, and then some people would say no, and then they just ended up doing, keeping the restrictions off. They made that decision because their hospitalizations were low. And older people who got COVID, they actually had more treatments for those older people who got COVID in the hospital for multiple other medical conditions than we have for rhinovirus. Yeah, that's There's true. no antiviral to give for rhinovirus, right. but you can give someone in the hospital Paxlovid if you want yep. um, or monoclonal antibody. So because of that, they stuck with it and then their cases immediately, you know, as they do, go de- went down because then you get like some mucosal immunity and they all went down and then they um, stopped. Yeah. They, they, didn't, they didn't have to reimpose. They never did. So the United States is very conflicted right now. Mm. You see these red states and the blue states and they're doing everything differently. Red states had stopped mass mandates a year ago. Blue states yesterday, our Bay Area health officials said, we recommend uh, mass masks. indoors. Yeah. But they didn't actually mandate That's like right. they did in Philadelphia That's right. a month ago. And then after Philadelphia mandated it, four days later, they, they stopped it. it. Off, yeah. Because there is also like a, a tolerance of the public for right. mandates that don't make sense. That's right. And they didn't, the public said no, you know? Yeah. And so um, we're going to go through these fits and starts, but what does endemic mean? It means that we have the tools to manage it. That's actually as simple as it is. We have vaccines, we have therapeutics, we have monoclonal antibodies, we have Covaxin coming, which is a, a vaccine I want um, mm-hmm. here, Novavax coming. We just have the tools. That's what we have. And we can keep severe disease low through those tools. Tell and me- that's when you stop. So- Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you wanna be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. So a couple things I want to make sure we touch on. One is Covaxin. Tell tell people about Covaxin. What is that? Yeah, I like this vaccine. Yeah. In fact, um, so Covaxin is a whole inactivated virion vaccine. So you take the virus, you kill it, and you put it with an adjuvant that helps your immune response, and you inject it. It's been given to 
oh, at least three million, three hundred million Indians and people in South Asia. It's really used commonly. It's a whole inactivated variant. But there are two other whole inactivated variant vaccines, Sinopharm and Sinovac, made in China. Right. And they don't have the right adjuvant. The uh, one that Covaxin has was developed, uh, was funded by the NIH. Right. It's an excellent adjuvant. So I think that's why Covaxin works better than Sinopharm and Sinovac. Okay. And so you only need two, at least in India, they've only been giving two doses. Sinovac and, Sinovac and Sinopharm need three doses. Period. I see. In I fact, see. China is in so much trouble because that we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah, but that was Because they didn't, they didn't boost, they don't. They haven't given three doses to their elderly. Uh -huh. So so going back to what this Covaxin vaccine, it shows you the whole virus. It's just, no one even needs to know biology to know that like this spike protein keeps on mutating and Omicron had more than 32 had 32 mutations at first. That was BA1 and now BA2 and 12.1 has some more. So you have like, say you have like a variant you get in the future that has like 60 mutations across that spike protein. You want to see other parts of the virus. Yeah. The part that tends to more mutate is the part that interacts with the host, which is the spike protein. Right. So I want people to see the whole virus because if they're not going to get natural Omicron infection, which a lot of people did get during... Mm -hmm. Um, the winter wave, then you want, I would like the next booster to see, have the person see the whole virus. So Covaxin, they, they, it's a good vaccine, has a good adjuvant. They applied for approval in the United States um, in November and they declined them. They said, um, Indians don't look enough <laughs> like Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can agree with that. We, I mean, I mean we're brown, but we're, like we're kind of the I mean, same. We're pretty much. We're kind of I mean, like, in fact, genetically. Bollywood, Hollywood. Come on, it's I just know. one letter I difference. Know, just like, <laughs> except they do think Bollywood stars are prettier. They're so beautiful. Those They're women. Gorgeous, yeah. If you're gonna choose from a billion, one point three seven yeah, billion, you're gonna people, get some you get gems. The, you get people get some that gems. look so good. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. anyway, so Bollywood. But beyond that, it's pretty much the same population. But essentially. Um, the United States said no. Uh, the FDA said no. You have to study it in some some white people. And so basically, <laughs> they they are doing a phase two study to just show it's safe in Americans, and right. hopefully, it'll get approved. Soon. But by the way, uh, you need to study that in some white people. Said no <laughs> modern U.S. scientist ever. Know, right? Like now, it's like, well, did you study it in uh, in um, the Samoans? Because you know, I can't check the box where I get the extra NIH boost for 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 equity. Right? I, know, I know, but they actually said that, and so. I want this vaccine here. And yeah. actually it went down to the age of two. Mm. And even if parents, you know, many parents know that children are much, much less risk That's for right. severe disease. Yeah. But there are many parents who are very anxious and right. they would like their children vaccinated. And so they could have had that way before this yeah. if they had approved Covaxin. They didn't, I even wrote the FDA chief, to be honest, um, mm. and, and begged them to approve Covaxin. They didn't. So when I go to India this summer, I'm going to get Covaxin. I'm going to give it to my boys because I wouldn't boost them with an mRNA vaccine. And I'm going to give them Covaxin. We've seen the whole virus, unless we get COVID before that. Right, right. In which so case- So we'll decide then we won't You've got the natural booster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how is India doing? India's doing well because India didn't, you couldn't lock down a country yeah. with such poverty. Poverty, you'll kill people. You, yeah. It did kill people. Yeah. Remember the trail yeah, the of beginning. tears? Yeah. Remember the, um, I actually think it was called the walk of tears where mm. Modi decided one day to just lock down the entire country. People started walking back to their that's villages right, and, right. and they were day to day um, 
labor. Did labor. Yeah. Day, you, like your money wasn't like you get a weekly wage. It was day-to-day wage. That's right. So then there was truly people who died yeah. and starved. Yeah. So because of that, um, lockdowns could not be achieved in a country like India. And so they did have a lot of natural immunity. And they did a great job with their vaccination campaign. And they have eight vaccines. So right. you could choose. You could choose from Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Covaxin, Novavax. They mm. have there they have more Novavax. than any other country. Oh, wow. Corbavax, mm-hmm. which is one developed with Baylor, which is very cool. They have nine vaccines. Was oh, that the Hotez uh, vaccine? Yes, yeah, great yeah, yeah. vaccine. They have they have so many vaccines, so people can go, and and they weren't that expensive. Um, and then they did vaccinate the the poor population. So they did a very good job with their vaccination campaign. And they're pretty much. I asked my uncle who was here visiting. They said they're pretty much a normal kind of life. Doing better. Yeah, that's yeah, what cases my cases will said. go up, but yeah. um, not the severe disease. With Omicron. Now let's con- contrast with China. Yeah. So China is a country that said, no, zero COVID. We don't want this thing replicating in our population. We're using mostly what, Sinopharm, Sinovac? Yes, Sinopharm, Sinovac, not yeah. as good. Need at least three doses in your older people. Got it. And now we're in a situation where they're locking down major economic centers, causing supply chain disruption throughout the world. And real like resistance actually in their own population, which is- I would call it human rights violations. Uh I wanna go that far because if you prevent people from leaving their homes and then they can't go for their other medical care like cancer care or heart care, that I call is a human right violation. Right, taking kids, putting them in quarantine. Away from their parents, little teeny children away from their parents, yeah. And and so the question is, is that gonna be a scalable, sustainable thing for them? No, and in fact, you know, for the first time, and I will say that um, uh, um, Tedros, the um, the WHO chief, has been more in favor of lockdowns than um, than he. You know, he's sort of come around and realized a highly transmissible respiratory virus is very hard to control mm. through other society through closing down parts of society. Because now, at this point, we may have twelve million excess deaths from heart disease, right. cancer, right. other. This was a study in Lancet on March 11th, 2022, this two year anniversary of the pandemic, that we have so many excess deaths from some of the economic and and closing down of medical care. Overdoses in San Francisco, through the roof. Three uh, times uh, as high. It's- Child uh, child mental health. Child mental health. So all the things that we've been pounding the drum on in some form or another, right? It, it isn't a simple thing. And you look at China, this is a great example. Now they have, So Tedro said, yeah. he actually said out loud, he said, this is not a sustainable set, uh, a strategy. You can't do this. Mm. And then China not only censored him and shut down that statement, but they didn't come to this global, HA, uh, global COVID meeting that was held in the US two days ago that mm. they were invited to. Mm. And it would be helpful. And I'm, I'm not seeing as much criticism of their approach that I would like to have you know, major um, public health people say, because that approach is non-sustainable. It's hurting other things. And the best thing you can do is vaccinate and boost your elderly population, period. Right. Couldn't be any more simple. Right. Well, look at Hong Kong. That's what you got to do. Hong Kong. 30% of those uh, elderly were vaccinated. They were not vaccinated enough. Yeah. So when Omicron came, <clears throat> they sadly saw them. so many more deaths. Whereas South Korea, perfect example, both very high rates of masking. Right. South Korea had vaccinated and boosted their elderly and saw nowhere near the amount of deaths of Hong Kong. Couldn't be a more direct comparison. Yeah. And-, and now the question is, because I saw there was some article using, again, these like, uh, it's just like the Imperial Imperial uh, College of London yeah. projections in the early pandemic that yeah, panicked everybody. Really there, was, yeah. there was a projection in China saying, 
oh, actually, <clears throat> given the levels of vaccination, the number of population and so on, and the lack of natural immunity no so natural far, immunity, yeah. <clears throat> if they didn't do a zero COVID policy, that it could cost, I think it was a million and a half lives in, in due to COVID death, yes. particularly in their elderly population. Do you believe those numbers? Do you think it's- uh, I am, when <clears throat> I saw Hong Kong, it made me so nervous, worried right? for, for China because Hong Kong also had more of a lockdown approach. So they had less natural immunity as well. Right. If you have no natural immunity and you haven't vaccinated and boosted your elderly enough, I would say the 60 is that age that need to be vaccinated and boosted, boosted right away. Yeah. I'm very worried about the elderly right, getting right, sick. Right. And when I think about that, I think, okay, if they're going to stay locked down, you should be going as fast as you can to vaccinate your older people. Right. Like both one, two, three <clears throat> doses preferably, but at least two and then open up. Yeah, uh, and, and that makes perfect sense. But instead we, we keep talking about, are we boosting a 12 year old? You know? Yeah, yeah. The, this age failure to admit this age risk, age-based risk and age stratified risk to COVID has really hurt the US response. Right. And, to be clean, UK and Europe didn't do that. They, right. they, measles, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, pertussis, so much worse in children. Right. We are so blessed in a way that this particular infection did not cause severe disease in children so much. Right. Or we would have been in so much more trouble than we were. Right. And it had to do with this thing that we were talking about before. It has to do with your your immune system participates in the pathophysiology right. of the infection. And so children have these... This is work by Betsy Harold at Albert Einstein, but they have increased interleukin and IL-17 levels. <laughs> Very mm. technical, but they just have these high levels of these particular um, parts of the innate immune system that prevented them from getting very sick. Mm. Totally different than measles, mumps, rubella, influenza that affect very little children little during kids. the 1918 pandemic. So they were spared so much more than adults. So if we had just admitted that, we would have not, done the school closures to the extent we did. We wouldn't be boosting, worrying about boosting 12-year-olds instead of older people. Even in New York City to this day, apparently you can't go into a museum. I think you had to be two or three vaccine as a child, but you, but they haven't vaccinated their older people to the same extent. Yeah. Yeah, That's it's amazing. It's Hong Kong's the same thing. It's like, wait, these eighty-plus-year-olds. They need three doses, and they were—they were. They were va that's a vaccine-hesitant population because I think there was some issue with an influenza or something vaccine in the past. Yeah, yeah. They had a—they had a <clears throat> collective memory of this, and they said, "Oh no, I'm not getting that." And, and then they had so many deaths they, during Omicron. I mean, it was bad. Older. Yeah, very and, bad. And you can say Omicron is milder, but I think some of that mildness really is baked into the fact that we have immunity. Yes, right? that was a really good question because I remember at the time I was um, writing a lot about Omicron and I was being interviewed and I was like, is it that it's a little more mild or that we just have so much more immunity? And I don't know where we settled out on this because there were these these studies that actually it didn't look like it infected lung cells as well yeah. in animals and also explant studies of human lung. Right. At a certain level, it's kind of immaterial if you have zero immunity to a pretty bad virus, you could yeah, get. Really you're sick. still going to get sick, and we saw we saw it with Omicron. But I, I, what I, what we're seeing more is that most people are doing okay. I mean, yeah. Still, I mean, that by okay, and this is important. You know, I had doc, uh, Dr. Rachel Zoffness, who's a psychologist on the show, and she was talking about her. She is vaccinated, boosted. She's yeah. in her forties. Yeah. Not, no medical problems. Yeah. Got Omicron in this last wave in the Bay Area. Yeah. And uh, was knocked on her ass for. 14 days of just you know, fevers and muscle aches and rigors and yeah. brain fog and all the things got better, but it took a while. And she yeah. was like, when we call something mild, what what the 
general population thinks of as mild is different than what doctors think of as mild. What we call mild is you didn't get intubated. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I so have people... heard that, that uh, getting a COVID infection makes you feel worse than a cold. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had the inevitability of a COVID infection, but I think I just definitively know from my T cells and B cells, I won't be in the that, hospital. That you're not gonna die of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, the therapeutics, are you happy with what we have so far? Well, I think it's interesting because um, I really think about HIV and we got yeah. therapeutics, just to be clear, like 1981, young men were dying at terrible rates and we didn't get therapeutics that were effective for 15 years. So you can see the amount of progress that happens when it's a highly transmissible respiratory virus that doesn't just stigma affect stigmatized populations like gay people. <laughs> right. So it took much longer, but okay. So, but it took very short period of time to get good, relatively good therapeutics against this virus that are directed against the virus, meaning molnupiravir wasn't directed right. to nucleoside analog and they just pulled it off a shelf like AZT. I always compare it to AZT because mm. they pulled it off a shelf. It wasn't directed towards HIV, mm. but it definitely saved lives. Paxlovid though is a definitive protease inhibitor against the virus. So mm. it does work really well. Mm. It's just that one thing is it only studied in non-vaccinated. Right. Um, which is okay That's that okay. they I mean, approved it for yeah. vaccinated in the sense like to me, it makes sense that if you're vaccinated and you're at high risk for severe disease, like my father, when he was going through chemo, even though I knew his vaccine was working, if he'd gotten COVID, I probably would have been still wanting him to get Paxlovid just even, even emotionally. If I knew his, his, I knew his immunity was good because I'd studied the literature even at 87 with three vaccines, but he could get Paxlovid vaccinated and got and, and prevent him from getting severe infection. But we don't want to use it in asymptomatic, very healthy people. I think that those are the high profile like Kamala yeah, Harris that right. get it. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, what an amazing thing to have therapeutics and vaccines to keep us under control. Yeah. Because we just said, we'll never get rid of COVID and COVID will always be a problem, just like rhinovirus is still a problem for older people with multiple medical conditions. Yeah. No medication I can give someone with rhinovirus or a common cold coronavirus yeah. or adenovirus, but now I can give Paxlovid. Now we have Paxlovid. So, so it's gonna be even less of a mortality, I think, eventually. It again, it, it it brings us to an endemic situation. It's actually better than some of these cold viruses. Better, really, <laughs> yeah. because you have treatments, and good treatments right. and good vaccines. We don't have a single treatment for measles. That, that's right. And here's a question, or here's a observation that I've heard uh, talked about this sort of influenza genesis of uh, COVID. In other words, we're, we're starting to see a pattern emerge where you had the early variants were totally different arcs of the family tree of COVID. Yeah. Um, Delta was very different than Wuhan strain and so on in terms of how they, how yes. they branched. But now what we're seeing is Omicron so successful at replicating in upper airways, little subfamilies are branching off Omicron directly. And we're seeing this more of this drift around the centerpiece of Omicron's mutations. Is that another sign that we're reaching a, a more endemic pattern of behavior like flu? Yes, I think that's a great point because before what happened is we would get variants that were very different from totally non-immune humans. Right. And now in terms of the population of the planet that has immunity, 
Um, the IHME, which is the Institute of Health Metrics um, in um, University of Washington, Seattle, estimates that at least 80% of the population has immunity from Omicron. Or We know that 65% of people have gotten one dose of the vaccine worldwide, and then 60 to 75% of people saw Omicron. So you put those together, we have a lot of immunity now. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's not able to deviate so much because you're coming from immune populations. Yeah, And you're right, May 3rd stat wrote article that it's approached the flu. Um, John um, Murdoch Burns wrote that same article in Financial Times from the UK about a month ago. So we're always like a month or six weeks behind, behind the, the UK. UK. And they said, okay, now we've approached it, it's the flu. And then Stat News wrote that about yeah, six weeks after the Financial Times wrote it in there that we're kind of at the same levels of mortality, the same levels of, of more predictability of the variants. And Flu is not a good thing either, but we but we don't even have as good of tools for flu as we have for COVID. That's why I keep yeah. on thinking like <clears throat> I have Paxlovid for for um, uh, um, COVID, and I have Tamiflu for for flu, which isn't as good. Right. So I think what this is going to do instead is make our flu treatments better. Yeah. I think we're going to get an RSV treatment for little kids. Mm-hmm. It's going to revolutionize antivirals. But we have, have had a lot of progress in COVID. When people are still nervous, I keep on thinking, we have treatments, we have vaccines, we have immunity, Actually, we have Evusheld. If you are profoundly immunocompromised, yeah. thank God it's so much more manageable than right. the even adenovirus. Um, and, uh, and, and, and again, this is the result of a very focused international effort, yeah. a lot of money. Lot of um, money. And it, it comes at a cost because yeah. we're ignoring other social problems and Measles, mental health problems, TB, TB polio. Malaria, HIV. Polio, All the th- maybe HIV. this hepatitis right. happening. Um, so we do have to start concentrating on other problems. I was keep. It's not just I'm naming all the infectious disease because I like I'm into oh, well, infectious that's what diseases. You do. Yeah, but you've been talking more about like even the public health issues Overdoses. of depression and yeah, when Will depression. Smith hurt, um, slapped that oh, guy, yeah. slapped Chris Rock. I was just thinking. I was like, yeah, there you we go. We are all <laughs> at the end of our rope. <laughs> right. No one is behaving very well yeah. right now, and everyone is very mentally challenged. Like people are just. It, there's been so much fear and we're not doing well. So public health is also doing well mental health wise. Actually, and that's a good way to kind of wrap this all into a package because the theme, the common theme, the reason I love it when you finally, I've been trying to get you back on, but if you've been really busy and we had some logistical yeah, problems. Yeah. And the reason I love when you come on is because you bring that the science piece of it, but also there's this, um, element of a holistic way of looking at this problem. Because I'm an HIV doctor. Because you're an HIV doctor. Yeah. Because you're not just treating the HIV in these patients. Like you said, it's a sti- it's often a stigmatized population. Yes. There's socioeconomic cha- challenges, there's racial challenges. And do you have a large um, uh, trans or non-binary yes, population? Yes, actually, yeah. mo- um, I have many trans women in my practice because I used to only treat women. And I um, and our clinic is about 50% um, lesbian or gay, I mean, mostly gay right. men. We So we treat LGBTQ communities. We have a very high Hispanic population, our more black population, higher black proportion than the city of San Francisco reflects. Right. So a lot of diversity. And yeah, we never treated HIV 
from the very beginning as if it was just an isolated thing. We treated like the whole patient. That's right. And it's kind of like society. You, we absolutely have to combat COVID. And now I'm so grateful that we have all this technological progress right. to combat COVID. But we do have to also treat the whole society and their needs. And boy, children's needs to be together and their proms and their graduations. Oh, and man. You know, there, there was a recent thing in San Mateo High School here on the peninsula. Yeah. And uh, uh, they did a maskless prom, heaven forbid. Uh, so and a hundred kids. That would look, lipstick is really important. Tell me about it. For young, I know. <laughs> By the way, I got, I got say, I would just tell you, I started, I'm really into makeup. I'm sorry. Like, dude. And, and young women at the prom, I would imagine need to have good lipstick. It's your chance to like, would you wear a mask? get painted yeah. up and expose your icon that is you to, yeah. to your community of your peers that you care about, that you now value maybe more than even your parents' uh, perception. Yeah. And, and that's your thing, right? That's your thing. And so these kids, there was an article in the paper, it's like a hundred of the kids tested positive after the thing. And then in very fine print, and none of them had any serious infection at all. Yeah, why would we say that second? I mean, <laughs> we actually have pretty high rates of vaccination in, in California among our teenagers, yep. also high rates of natural immunity, 75% yep. of the population world countrywide. We have to let children and young people have their lives. Yeah, Their mental health so depends on it. Colleges, I'm also really worried about. They're Colleges. still doing a lot of testing and masking. And oh, absolutely. They're and vaccinated, they were actually often, um, uh, what it mandated to get boosted, even if they'd had a natural infection. They, they're paying all this tuition and they can't get a degree if they don't get boosted. Yeah. And again, they're masking everywhere. And oh, da, 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 da. We've talked, we've beaten that thing to death on my yeah, show, but, should, yeah. but, I, but I gotta say it's a contextual thing. We, we are behaving in a, as a society in an increasingly left-brained way, meaning we're reductionist, we're pulling, we're pulling holes into parts and we're trying to reconstruct holes from the parts that we've pulled out. And that's not how it works. Yeah. The right brain, you know, if you read Ian McGilchrist's work, the right brain sees the thing holistically and the left brain may have evolved as its emissary, as its servant, not as the master. That's so interesting because I, ah, oh, that's really interesting. Isn't that interesting? Is why it's happening. Because I remember when Biden went to that White House Correspondents' right. Dinner, I was so happy. Yeah, right? I was like so happy because I felt like that was delivering a message to He's the signaling. nation yeah. that he had had four vaccines, all of them on TV. Right. Um, and he, um, so he didn't have the advantage of having a previous infection that we know of, right. but his medical history is out there for the world to see. So he was very, even if he got infected, which I don't think he did, he was very low risk of having any serious breakthrough. Yeah. And I felt that was a great signal that he showed the country that we can go back to normal. And then I was surprised by the pushback. Of course. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's it, again, it's this, uh, there's a hive mind thing on all sides of this issue too. So everybody's behaving in a very, and you you and I both feel it. Yeah. And we, we talk a little bit about this offline. It's this idea that we have certain intuitions about how this thing should fit holistically from a right brain standpoint. Yes. Like, okay, there are these issues, but then there's the bigger picture of like our whole society. When you see Will Smith walking up and slapping someone, maybe yeah. it's just Will Smith, but maybe- Maybe we're just at the end of our road. It's an society. epiphenomenon. We're cranky. <laughs> exactly. We're so mean and cranky. We're yeah. mean and cranky. And yeah. we've taken science, which used to be a fairly- actually balanced brain thing. And we've reduced it to a left brain thing where we're picking little bits, do the mask in this and the vaccine in this and the, the, the instead of going, okay, now no, all of this. All of it together. <laughs> it brings us to an endemic state, yeah. which by the way, then cha you know, changes how we think about a society. And there's these other problems that are also connected to this that are- And have been exacerbated. Have been exacerbated. Yeah. And then we have excess death from those. Yes. And so maybe there isn't a one size fits all. Maybe it isn't a reductionist answer. And so you and I feel this way, but then you know we both are out in the public space where we're 
directly attacked by elements of all of this. And sometimes we're wrong and sometimes we're, uh, the, the criticism is very appropriate and pulling the signal out of the noise of that is something we should definitely focus on. But really it is this, you feel it, you're like. Oh. I think when we were ever attacked though, it had to do with putting one infection into the entire totality of public health. And there is, I was just thinking about this. I've had a lot of interviews and a lot of um, uh, being on the news and stuff since September, 2020. Yeah. But that needs to go away, actually, because um, because um, because when you're in an endemic state of a virus, you shouldn't be asked for right. interviews. Because my opinion is not more important than actually what's more important probably is psychiatrists talking about mental health yeah. and um, you know how do we rebalance and get away from some of the anxiety and fear and that they really should be stepping up and being people on the news. And I think some people like to be on the news, and I think <laughs> I, I really mean that. Like I really I do mean too. that. I know you do. And I think that then they would put the myopic focus on one infection, even after we had vaccines that, that you know, um, defamed the virus. You know, right. that was my, I had to think, I, I think I did make up that word, like, because I remember I was like watching a um, Modern Family episode and someone was, the little child was biting, kept in biting someone. And I kept in thinking about the word biting and defang. Yeah. Um, and so I think I may have introduced that word into American society, but we defanged the virus with the vaccines. Right. And so then after that, it's a matter of, okay, figuring out who's still at risk after the vaccines of getting a severe breakthrough, using the treatments there, using a prophylaxis like Evisheld. Like we have a lot of tools like we were just talking about and now we can manage it. And, and we have a lot of natural immunity, so now we can manage it. And then, but I think some people liked to be called into the news because they had never been on the news before. Yeah, it's very seductive. And, but the problem is we get radicalized because when you get on the news and you're taking a certain angle, then what can happen is you find that, oh, you're getting a lot of support from that angle and you're yeah. also getting a lot of hate. Yeah. And the hate can cause you to further entrench if you're not very self-aware. And then you keep going. You know, like my big criticism is, well, you keep having, you know, Marty and Vinay and Monica, and why don't you get some COVIDian viewpoint that are like, you know, COVID zero type people. And I'm like, my feeling is, well, because I disagree with that very strongly. You can't eradicate it. And, and you can't, and yeah, second, that is the dominant cultural viewpoint in the media. Yeah. So my role is not to go on the news. I don't go on the news. My role yeah. is to try to do this, but it has been a lot of introspection uh, on my part to go, God, you know, am I captured by some belief structure or whatever? Am I getting angry all the time, you know? Uh, and what I find is what I love about you is whenever you come on, you are, um, you're giving information in, in a, from a place of love and concern for other people, and it and it comes it comes through. It calms people down appropriately because that's what we need. Yes, and uh, make them anxious. And, yeah, and you know, I got to say, I really hope this is our last conversation about COVID. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'd love to have you on to talk about HIV. I'd love yes, to have you on, like, yes. Uh, you know, even trans issues, like all those things. We have you... all the tools to deal with COVID and this can be our last conversation. In fact, I am planning this tweet of a lifetime. Like oh, I, I have can. all the, like how well the vaccines work in immunocompromised, how well they work with chemo, Covaxin's coming, Novavax is coming. I have a whole thing I'm planning. Oh, that's exciting. To, 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 to really put a solve on the fear. I don't even use Twitter beyond just dumping and running, uh, <laughs> but I will retweet that. Okay, okay. This, this, it's, I've been planning it for two Two weeks now because I still see some fear. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to really be able to tell you all the scientific tools that we have. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I, you know, we had the same conversation before Delta though, and we were excited when those vaccines came out. Yeah. And then Delta threw us for a loop. 
in the fact that we just didn't vaccinate people fast enough? We didn't. It's it's not just that. Like we did have the vaccines. People didn't take the vaccines. And I also think our public health messaging didn't encourage people to take the vaccine. So you'll see mm. this very interesting overlap of people who are very angry about the U.S. response in terms of the children being heard and the school closures and the lockdowns. And then on top of that, they'll put in the mix vaccines. They're they're mad at the vaccines. They're not actually mad at the vaccines. They're mad that their children couldn't be in school. And then the vaccines get put into it. Like the UK and Europe just very cleanly said, when you get vaccinated, go and live your life and go and hang out with your um, family. And Immunity is the way out of the pandemic. Right. They just never message any other way. And because of that, they don't have as much politicization and anger as yeah. we have against the vaccines. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think you've gone a long way to helping us uh, calm calm the heck down. And Thank I'm you. so I'm so grateful to you. It, you know, and I gotta say, like it's been what with the pandemic 2020. So what are we on year two and a bit now? Yeah. And uh, you know, this all started and 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 I just want to ask about you personally, because I know and I, it's probably not appropriate, but I'm gonna ask anyways because I'm nosy. <laughs> Um, and cause you know, we've, I, we've, we've had a connection over the whole pandemic. We have. You know? We've had great conversations. Yeah. It's really been, been a, really it's important. been this a joy. This room is like a haven for me. It's like, it is a sanctuary for me to like bring all the data and just talk about it. Oh, uh, it's great. Yeah. But, but how are you doing? Because you know, you, you lost, you talked about this on our show. You lost your husband two plus years ago yeah, to cancer. Three months before the pandemic. Three months before the pandemic. Yeah. And then I poured a lot, I think of my grief into work. And then now we're going to India and we're going to spread his ashes in, a, mm. in about a month. And, um, and uh, then I'm going to start a new life. Like I hope that no one wants to talk to me from the media because we have all the tools to fight COVID and I don't want anyone to, I hope they don't want to talk to me and and, mm. <laughs> I hope, and, and we could have good podcasts about aftermath um, and about HIV and other stuff. And then, and then hopefully we'll, um, hopefully I'll start a new life. And, and, I, I can't wait. You are radiant. <laughs> okay. You are looking so wonderful and and happy. And you, I know you're stressed. I know it's hard. You got two boys. They're running around the mission reading books right now. <laughs> they are. They are. They are very good boys. But um, yeah, in the future I'll find a companion. So, um, but we'll just end at that. Wait, wh- wait a <laughs> minute now. No, no, no. We're not doing that. No, we're not okay. Doing All that. right. Like, I just want to say, just, just yeah. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. If, if, <laughs> Because I've always wanted, I, I, I've always wanted to do a physician-only dating app, and I wanted to call it Doc Doc Goose. <laughs> you know, and and you, I'm gonna make you my first client. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's love. gonna be hardly anyone on this side, but okay. <laughs> Doctors get married young, and they like stay married. I mean, actually, I once had a conversation with Nate Silver, who came and talked to me. This is the guy who predicted Trump, so he's become very famous. Yeah. And he said. Why can doctors not talk about risk well? Huh. Like because there's been, you know, like a lot of people who say that even a mild infection will kill you and right. like, you know, there's this been this kind of thing where they're not talking about risk well. Like the risk of not gathering and being together as a family um, to, uh, against the risk of a mild infection when you um, are vaccinated. And he said, why aren't they good at talking about risk? And I said, they're not good at talking about risk because I think they're pretty conservative, actually. They uh-huh. they get married young. They, like, don't change their jobs. You're, you're more um, – 
you have more of that spirit that you don't have to do the same thing every day. I think doctors are kind of scared people. Yeah, yeah. We're very They're inertia like driven. The same job. There's a golden don't handcuffs change. component. Yeah. There, there's, there is that inertia. We have high divorce rates, high suicide rates, all of that, but that's not for lack of the incredible amount of inertia and fear that there that is something it. and 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 we should be able to properly message risk you yeah. know in the sense that like my risk tolerance say i never want a mild covid infection like right. what if i've decided that right my risk tolerance cannot um um judge it, society influence or, or society. influence society that would be very irresponsible of me and you're spoken like a true hiv physician yeah how can you Harm project reduction. onto yeah. onto uh uh, population, your own values that way. Yes, yeah. exactly. I right. never, I mean, because I've been in HIV a long time, I would never tell anyone they can't have sex because they have HIV. What a crazy thing to do. That's what uh, Reagan said. And we didn't like Reagan. But then somehow what we did in this pandemic is you are not allowed, stay at home, yeah. save lives. Like we actually use that phrase as opposed to like everything else that people needed you know, the standard harm reduction playbook that public health harm has reduction, learned yeah. over the years. I think we'll get back there if we're if we're optimistic and we're vocal. People like yours, and of, if we if we really understand immunity, I right. actually really know like know that we didn't use the word T cells or B cells this much during this talk, yeah. but we've done it before. Yeah. You have to know immunity, and right. I would suggest people who are messaging the news do brush up on immunology and yeah. on strong T cell and B cell immunity, and how that's going to protect us against severe disease for possibly a lifetime. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Any other parting words? <laughs> no, that's it. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I miss Frodo. I, I miss know. Frodo too. Frodo is past, but we have a cat. And Frodo's he's reincarnated acts a as lot your cat. like Frodo. Yeah. yeah. And we think he is Frodo. Yeah. yeah. I think that that cat is Frodo. He smells kind of the same way he's dirty, which is good because <laughs> I want my children to be around some dirt. <laughs> my, we had a cat that was uh, mildly obese yeah. prior to our current cat. Yeah. And that cat had, when they get fat, their anal glands get congested. Is that what it is? Because this, mm -hmm. we have two cats actually and one's Frodo mm. and he's the fatter one and he doesn't smell very good. Dude, Ooh, that's little, what it is. Okay. Their little it's butts get all, anal the anal glands get Okay, clogged. I didn't even think about his anal glands. So we, okay. So well. we took this cat to the vet <laughs> and the vet, because we're like, this cat's leaving little butt prints all over the house. We're like, what is this? This was years ago. And before we had kids and the vet goes, oh yeah, here. And it squeezed, expressed the anal glands. By the way, if you've ever heard a cat scream bloody murder like that. I've never heard anything like it. It was unreal. I was going to go it's squeeze like a his anal glands, but now I'm not. No, I don't. Okay, okay, okay. Have a, okay, have have a, vet, a vet do, do it. it. Okay, okay. That's why you pay him the big bucks. Okay, but yeah, he and, smells like Frodo, so I'm wondering about reincarnation. <laughs> and we started with masking and we ended with butts. This is the Z-Dog <laughs> MD really show. It really is the full It's circle. the perfect circle. <laughs> Just like the whole pandemic and conversations with you, I can't wait to have you back on to dive into HIV and yeah, other things. Yeah, that would be great. Thank Harm you. reduction and things like that. Thank you prep. so much. Love prep. to talk yeah. about prep. And and the and the uh, we've really HIV outcomes have gone down as you may imagine. So yeah, I, I want to pay bring more attention to it. Get them back. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Thank you, Monica. Thank you very much, guys. You know what to do. Share the show. Become a supporter if you want. Um, find Monica on Doc Doc Goose, my new dating app. <laughs> And uh, say hi to your boys for me. Thank you. I will. And, and your girls. We say are. Words. Oh, I will. They're doing violin right now. <laughs> okay. And uh, we are out. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. 
it, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.